Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're continuing our Tartan Talk series by having two guests on who should be familiar names to our avid listeners. Joining us are Jason Straka of Fry Straka Global Golf Design and Kent Turner, the Director of Grounds and Golf Courses at the 36-hole Kenwood Country Club in Cincinnati, Ohio. Jason and Kent joined the podcast last year. We had an opportunity to spend some time with them at Kenwood as renovations were commencing on the club's Kendale course, and we thought it would be great to bring them back onto the podcast to discuss how they got the project to the finish line and what they learned here in 2020 by undergoing this process. But before we get going with Jason and Kent, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a big supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker supports a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents, We're glad to have them on board, and we're glad that Jason and Kent were able to join us again. Well, Jason and Kent, it's awesome to have you on the podcast again. I was so looking forward to talking with both of you and learning how the the project went that we discussed last year. And Kent, I want to ask you this first. Now that you've gone through another project in your career, are you still a fan of Golf Course Architecture podcast? Do you still listen to them this year? Absolutely, I do. Uh, I haven't been listening as much because I haven't been in a gym in a while, and that's typically when I did it, uh, when I was working out. Uh, and since that shut down, well, even though gyms are open, I just have been lazy and haven't been back. But yeah, I still do if I'm mowing the yard or, or I'm by myself. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I guess that makes two of us that listen to Golf Course Architecture podcasts when we work out. But on a serious note, Kent, describe... 2020 for you and your team how busy were you uh this year was hands down probably the busiest i've ever been in my career uh i feel like i worked harder this past year than i ever have uh we were short staffed all year uh and not only did we have our normal maintenance to do uh we had the project also and i was i believe i was 80 man hours short each day uh from a staffing level, and along with having the project. Well, we'll get into that here in a few minutes, but I want to bring Jason in. And, Jason, thanks for joining us. And what's 2020 been like for an architecture firm like Freistrike, a global golf design? Guys, first off, thanks for having us on. Uh, for Freistrike, it's actually, ironically, been a pretty good year. Um, a lot of our overseas projects obviously have been a challenge to deal with just because we can't get there. So the ones that were under construction that we're trying to get finished, we've had to adapt by doing lots of video calls and odd hour phone calls uh, and drone footage, those types of things. Some of the projects that were slated to get started under construction uh, had pushed off just because, again, it just was a challenge uh, to get crews in. Uh, domestically, though, business has been really strong, uh, just as the golf market in general has been. So we're, we're fortunate with projects basically from coast to coast. Uh, of course, wrapping up um, Kent's project down at Kenwood. Uh, and I've got to tell you, Guy, from a personal standpoint, you know, working with Kent, as you know, I, I always sing his praises, but his being 80 man hours down per day just shows you, uh, you know, how tremendous that his he and his staff have been, you know, to actually do such a large-scale renovation or restoration and maintain 18 other golf holes. Uh, I've never seen anybody work as hard, uh, I think, ever. 
if there was ever a candidate for superintendent of the year, uh, it definitely would be Kent Turner. Kent, how do you balance that? You're trying to finish up project grow the turf in with this enormous amount of play you're getting and the daily maintenance being down how did you get it all done i i just i spent a tremendous amount of time trying to figure out where to cut corners without people noticing and so that we could move man hours to the project one thing that did sort of help us was our play was stuck on one course and we were so busy because of people with air quotes working from home on the golf course uh, that we would get that course set up in the morning, and then we didn't have a chance of getting anything else done on it because it would be so crowded throughout the day so that we would take that labor over to the project and, and work on. So we worked on Kenview in the morning and Ken Dale in the afternoon and, and just trying to balance getting things done in that way basically you have a priority list each day Kent or do you come in each day and not knowing what the day's going to throw at you do you plan the night before how did you structure the day oh we always plan from the day before yeah even if there's heavy chance of rain or we, we pretend that the rain's not going to happen we set the day up from the day before and go about it that way how about you, Jason? I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty in your line of work, especially in mid-March when things were intensifying with the pandemic. How, how did you structure your days, and how much did your year change? It was different, Guy, a little bit early on, just because there was a lot of apprehension as to what was going to happen. Several states had actually closed golf courses, so not only were you losing things such as wedding revenue, uh, hotel rooms, uh, for you know resort courses, but then you were losing tea time rounds, uh, you know revenue as well. That you know as the restrictions in open and and people figured out that golf was uh, you know a safe way to get out and get some fresh air and exercise and social distance. And then there became some confidence, you know that um, that some of these projects can still go forward. Then we even had, um, you know, phone calls after about a month, so sometime in mid to late April, we actually started getting phone calls about potential new projects, new renovation work. Uh, and so, you know, from that point on, you know, we were, we've were we been really busy, um, you know, picking and choosing our way through projects, you know, that, that were of real interest to us. So, um, you know, from our standpoint, domestically, construction's been strong, planning has been strong. Um, but again, that wasn't so much the case in March and early April, but it's been since then, just since the revenue has been up all around our industry, you know, for, for tea time rounds. Jason, you mentioned on the podcast last year that you had traveled more than 200 days in 2019. What was your travel like this year? I haven't counted them. Uh, it, it was different. I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was probably more conservative than perhaps some others that early on guy until about six weeks ago, I did the bulk of my traveling via car. As a matter of fact, at one point I even rented uh, an RV and <laughs> just and then even go into hotels. I would just stay in the RV and bring everything with me. Um, but I would travel west one week, you know, drive up to 10 to 12 hours one direction, spend three or four days, turn around and then come back home. And then the next week I would do that heading to the East Coast. 
So that, uh, while it was safe and knock on wood, I haven't had COVID, you know, it was from a mental and physical standpoint, it was really draining, you know, that much travel, uh, you know, via car or RV. Now, I I ended up um, for our staff, we bought and were able to find N99 masks. And so we've been doing a lot of flying and traveling as of late. Again, knock on wood, nobody's been sick or ill. But past couple of months has been, you know, back sort of back to normal, I guess. You're based in the Columbus suburbs. You're right up the road from Cincinnati, where where Kent and Kenwood is. How much time did you spend at Kenwood in the early part of this year? Oh, quite a lot. Uh, you know, there was all the way through when we finished construction, which Kent was. When did we actually finish? What was our end date? It's uh, they left right after Labor Day. So they, meaning the golf construction company. But then odds and ends visit guy, you know, looking at mowing lines or bunker grass lines or, you know, just sort of closeout work. You know, there's, they still have a kid, Kent, because there's a few small tar- uh, projects that are still on my t- target list to do. Um, and, you know, I, I even offered free labor. <laughs> but I think he's hoping that it snows. <laughs> Kent, will you take Jason up on that offer? Uh, we're good. I, we're, we're, uh, even though we're 80-man hours short, we'll take care of it. <laughs> Jason, did you drive the RV down to Cincinnati at all? Uh, I Actually, one time I picked, that's where I picked it up, uh, one of them anyway. Uh, but, no, that's the nice thing about only living a, roughly an hour and a half away from Kenwood. I could get down there, and even if it's just for a few hours, you know, get down, spend some time with Kent and and crew looking at things and then get back home. So those projects are always nice, Guy, because those are, you know, Columbus to Cincinnati or Columbus to Cleveland, those are backyard projects for me. Uh, So those are are great to to work on. Kent, with so much going on and and being so many labor hours short, what were your visits with Jason like? And what was it like for you shifting from that uh, maintenance mode, getting one course ready to, to the project mode each day? did it so long at that part of it, it you know it just kind of became like a standard operation the guys sort of knew you know after they did the course setup part whether it was mowing grains or mowing seas on or raking bunkers on kenview uh that they were going over to kendale so uh you know one thing in the golf industry like even though a year's different it doesn't hit you at once because because spring is such and then summer so we were able to wean into it. It wasn't like a huge transition uh, because you had that spring to wean into it. And with the timing of this COVID stuff, you know, we were sort of forced to use that schedule from very early on. Uh, you know, as soon as the weather started to break, people were out in droves just playing golf since it was the only thing to do in town. Jason and Kent, what did you accomplish on the, the Kendale course? How is it different now than 18 months ago? <laughs> um, it's unrecognizably different. While the routing didn't change at all, uh, every hole that you're on just looks absolutely completely different. Uh, the sight line cuts were ama- made an amazing difference. Uh, and the comments have been 100% positive and everybody just, loves playing it guy i think that um again from my perspective it's you have the aesthetic aspect of it which has changed significantly you know so obviously 
you can see across the landscape, it's a beautiful piece of property and rolling terrain, classic parkland uh, golf. You know, the bunkers are obviously repositioned so and much more visible. As Kent said, the sightline cuts have made a tremendous change just in the appearance of the golf holes. You know, for me, I keep going back to this, you know, the the greens work that we did, laser scanning them and then rebuilding them to the, you know, essentially the same contours, but just software to restore some of the pin positions over time, you know, those are really going to be fascinating, I think, for people to play. You know, Kent has obviously can start, has started using those pin positions, but mind you, I mean, we're, even though the golf course is open, you know, the growing was continuing, you know, so in terms of how the golf course is truly going to play really isn't going to become so evident until conditions you know improve in this next this coming spring. So Kent will be able to speed the greens up. You know the rough will be thicker. You know I know that he overseeded uh, a lot of the rough. Um, you know fairways will be you know firmer and faster. And uh, you know so as far as how members truly perceive it and how it plays isn't going to become so evident, I'm going to guess, until you know, maybe June, May or June of this coming year. Kent, what was the weather like? What were you growing in in particular? And just take our, our listeners, especially the, the ones that are really fascinated by agronomics, through the grow-in this year. Well, that was one of the hardest parts of the project. Just from a timing standpoint, uh, we seeded some fairways in July and, and redid some greens in late June and early July. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I didn't even know that that was possible. You know, other than like a divot mix kind of thing, I, I never put a, a seed of bent grass in the ground with the purpose of growing it from seed uh, through July or August. Uh, and while July was pretty brutal in Cincinnati, uh, we got really lucky, and August was... It, pretty mild or extremely mild for an August. You know, normally we sort of make the course what it is through the spring and June, and then you just kind of hold on to your pants through July and August and hope you don't lose too much. Uh, and then through September and October, you start making it good, good again for the following year. And we actually grew in a couple fairways and greens through that worst of it July. Uh, so it was tough. But with August being good, we actually gained some ground and improved some things through August, which I also wouldn't have thought we would have been able to do. And then September and October were great. and I think we're in a fantastic position uh, to be really good next spring. Uh, we've overseeded some areas four and five times, uh, and they're getting pretty close. Uh, we just we shut the course down on November 15th and went back through, punched a bunch of areas in the fairways and seeded them and then put some matting over top of them so we can buy ourselves some more time. And I'm hoping next spring that we're full coverage. I plan on airifying the greens. We've probably airified them five times right by now. Oh, yeah, absolutely, with fall airification, yeah, at least five times. And I'm hoping to do it a couple times over winter and get them top-dressed so that they're smooth enough to handle some lower heights of cut. We got them pretty good late in the fall. They were a little over 11, 11 and a half-ish range, and some of them weren't quite nine months old yet. So they got good, and it made them fun as the ball started to break a little bit more than it did through most of the summer where we sat in about the 10 range. 
Kent, did you open nine holes at a time? Yeah, we opened the north nine, I think, around June 15th. And then uh, we opened the south nine on September 15th. But with that south nine, you, you didn't even seed some holes until June or July? Uh, that is true, yeah. Like I said, superintendent of the year guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually a man of a lot of questions. I don't, I don't even know how to follow that up after hearing that. But what was uh, September 15th like, Kent, seeing all 18 holes open? Uh, it was exciting. Um, I know there were a lot of people that were anxious to get out and play it. And, and it was also nerve-wracking, too, because, you know, while it was playable, uh, was it really, truly ready, ready? You know, I don't know. That's the question. We sort of based opening on will we do damage to it by September 15th? While, you know, if you're rolling the ball in a couple of the fairways, uh, you can find a good lie and, and you're not going to be doing any damage to it. Uh, and it's September, so it was getting better every day. How about you, Jason? What were the emotions of seeing all 18 open finally? guy a bit strange because normally you have some sort of celebration you know that for you know for first for all the members you know to have paid for and put up with uh, you know not having 18 and then nine holes and just to celebrate but we haven't been able to really do that yet so you know we're, again god willing we're planning to have that you know come springtime and have a celebration when everybody can gather. I'm sure it will be a lot more emotional then just for everybody. Um, you know, for right now, it's just been, uh, you know, relief, I guess, that the members have gone out, uh, you know, enjoyed it. You know, all the comments have been positive. Um, you know, so, so that part of it has been really heartening. Uh, but seeing it ready to go, you know, in the playing conditions that can't, you know, and I, you know, know that it will be and how it plays. Um, you know, we're, we're still a few months off from that when we can all gather again. Every project takes a lot of twists and turns, as you know, Jason. This one in particular, did this have more twists and turns than almost any project in your career? Guy, I think that the, the biggest challenge that we had was with weather early on, uh, you know, essentially going about this time last year. You know, we had hoped to get more work done late fall and even through the winter again it's you know cincinnati is completely different than columbus and which is completely different than cleveland uh and so you know there are many winters which you can easily work through but we had such periods of heavy rain not so much snow but heavy rain that you know really put a damper on progress and so you know that's always tough to contend with not just from a physical construction standpoint, but then explaining to members, you know, as to why a contractor isn't, you know, isn't out there working. You might get a whole bunch of rain one day, and at this time of year, it might take, you know, a week to dry. So they, you know, they would just see that all of a sudden you got this rain two days later, it may be 60 degrees and sunny. Doesn't mean that you can really get much done out on the golf course, but, you know, that's tough to explain to members. And so, you know, going through that, I would say that that was the biggest challenge, you know, is just is dealing with the weather. And, and that's a common occurrence, right? I mean, anybody that's in our side of the industry knows that you're really at the mercy of, of what Mother Nature throws at you. And, you know, it's right from the beginning of the project, it's tough to, you know, try to do your best to explain that when people say, well, how long is a project going to take? And when is it going to be reopened? 
And you always tell people, say, well, if you can tell me, you know, what kind of weather we're going to have, <laughs> I give you a good, more definitive answer. <laughs> they always feel like you're tap dancing around the, the answer, but that's not the truth. It's just that you just don't know. Kent, you've been through a, a few of these now throughout the, the course of your, your career. How did the experience of doing this in the past help you through the difficult situations you face this year? Uh, probably the biggest thing is, like sort of the stress management of it, of knowing that there will be an end date and and that getting all worked up over certain things, it's just not worth it uh, and it doesn't help. That That's probably the biggest part of it. And that is the truth, Guy, because it's, you know, early in my career, you know, we'd get bad weather events or something like that and nothing that you, you know, you, anybody could change. You know, I'd watched storms roll through and, you know, it stressed over, oh, what kind of damage is it doing to the golf course now? And it's not to say I don't worry about those things now, but I think that after gone through it so many times in, in one's career, you just say, you know what, uh, you know, we've seen pretty much the worst, you know, that we can get, and we've, you know, we made it through through it then, we're going to make it through it now. And so it tried to be an even more calming influence on other people, and just say, you know what, uh, it's you know you can't change it, so don't worry about it. You know, we just be prepared, uh, you know, to go out and to make you know, repairs or to do the work. You know, when it, when we can get out on the ground, hey, let's make sure that everybody is ramped up, ready to go, that we've got a good workforce in place, and we got a good plan to move forward. Those are the things you can control. You know, I'm, I'm watching it snow and rain out my window right now. Nothing I can do about it, so don't worry about it. Kent, what did you learn about your team and people management this year? Hey, the, the year, I think, was too chaotic to learn anything about people management. I did learn how versatile my team is and how willing they are to do more than what's expected of them. Uh, we had an issue with a bunker liner, the original bunker liner, and we had to shift gears, and portion of the bunker liner came with labor. They, When we shifted gears, it didn't come with labor. And I had a crew of about five guys that just embraced the challenge to finish up the bunker liner. And, and it was rough and brutal work, and they, they didn't bat an eye. They just jumped right in and did it. So just the versatility of the crew and, and how embracing they were to do something different and do other things and learn other things really enlightening. There's probably going to be other crews out there, guy, that um, are, I don't know if jealous is the right word, because I bring that up all the time. And I went, you know, Kent's crew, you know, they, they cut down roughly 800 trees, maybe more, I would guess even more at this point, in-house, disposed of them, ground the stumps. You know, so somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, our staff, we can't do that. And I'll say, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Ken, Tur Ken Turner staff can do it, you know, or, you know, stripping sod in resodding areas or doing bunker, you know, they're, they're so adaptable. And so, I, like I said, it's, I don't know that every crew is fair to put that on every other crew around, but just to echo what Ken was saying is that, you know, his crew is pretty amazing in, in the work that they can really take on. Uh, for both of you, how did your relationship evolved this year, the architect-superintendent relationship as you got towards the end, end of this? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if 
stuff that evolved. You know, it was just good from the start and, and good uh, at the end. It was, it was just good throughout the in, entire project. So there there was no change or learning. It was just, from my standpoint, it was good uh, throughout the entire project. Yeah, I'd say the same thing, Guy. I mean, it's, I don't, you know, I think that... Um, you know, my big thing was is that I trusted Kent right from the beginning of the project, even just going through the planning. You know, there wasn't um, there wasn't ever a time you know that he would come and say, you know, I can't do that. You know, it may be a discussion about you know, okay, this is if this is what we think we need to get done, let's talk about how we can get it done. Um, you know, but I mean, his willingness and I, part of it, I. I'm going to you know, go out on a limb, and, Guy, I think that part of it is just that Kent's interest in golf architecture, you know, and he became he's such a student of the game. To me, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing you, Kent, now, but all of the reading and the listening, not from me, but just from golf podcasts and, you know, all of his, his study on golf architecture and his previous work, you know, doing restorative work at Brookside, you know, I think that that did a tremendous service to Kenwood, you know, whether they know that or not, you know, but wanting to do things, you know, from an architectural standpoint to make them better, not only from an agronomic standpoint, but from an architectural side of things. So I I think that that really uh, impressed me about Kent, you know, one of the things the most. And I don't know that we've ever even really talked about that, but, you know, it would be something that going forward in other projects, you know, it would there would be a question, you know, for, for me asking superintendents, you know, how much architecture have you really studied about? You know, do you listen to podcasts? You know, how much do you really understand? Because I, I think that that really did a, a great service to, to his club. I know it's tough for people listening to this to, to visualize things, but what part of Kendale Golf Course is completely different now is there a part or a section of the course where you go to and you kind of look at it and think i i can't believe it's like this now everywhere i mean it, it, everything's different from like i said earlier it, it's unrecognizable from what it was before and to do that without rerouting is it just kind of blows your mind but there's not a t that i stand on that i don't say wow about it have you had a chance to play? Uh, I have a few times, not as many as I like. I would like to have. Um, I've actually played less golf this year than uh, I ever have in my career. Uh, but yeah, I, I, once fall rolled around and it was open, um, I brought some colleagues out and we played. I think I played it three times from an 18-hole standpoint. I played five holes here, six holes there. Uh, on a few occasions. How about you, Jason? Have you had a chance to play it? I have not yet, no. I, I don't even know that I hit a single uh, shot on it yet. Um, every time it seemed to go down there, we're, you know, we're looking at different things and working, but that would be fun. That's that's uh, Hopefully when they have their grand opening celebration, I'll get to play with Kent, and um, and we'll, we'll have some sort of a, of a match. <laughs> Kent, I was telling Jason off the air that I re-listened to last year's podcast two times, and there was discussion of having a match. So it sounds like the match has not happened yet. Not it yet. Has not, but but we've had early 
conversations of an opening day event uh, for next year around, I think, around mid-May is what the conversation sort of led to. So uh, that's probably when it'll take place. I think that'll be more of a relief uh, than than a hardcore match guy. I think that's just going to be something to say, you know, look, look what we were able to do, you know, together. Um, it wasn't just the two of us. I mean, there was a huge, huge team, you know, from Ken Staff to the club to the to Wadsworth, the golf course contractor, and all their subs. I mean, all of these projects are far from you know one or two guys. I mean, it, it takes a huge team. So there's a lot there's a lot to be proud of here for sure. Jason Kent mentioned some of the things agronomically that's going to happen to the golf course over the winter for the architect. What's what's the follow up like? What what happens after a course reopens? Now there's certain things that you're always interested to see if people are playing it the way that you envision. Uh, you know, so that's number one. You know, as the course matures, you know, I'm always curious as to how course handicap and uh, you know, the rating sort of shakes out because that's nothing that, you know, that we can control right off of the bat. Uh, so, again, that's curious to see how that happens. Um, just how it matures, uh, you know, from a growing standpoint and the course conditioning. You know, so those are all things that, you know, that I like to follow. It's, uh, you know, Guy, we're far from uh, architectural team, Dana and I and our team, you know, that – once it opens, that we walk away. I mean, we're we tell our clients right from the beginning when we're interviewing is you know we'd like to be involved. When I say involved long term, I mean we're always there to help out, come down, visit, lend a hand. Like I said, even just uh, even a, a day's worth of labor, you know, to, to go out and do things. Um, you know, but it's it's even though the course there is is old, you know, a lot of what you know a lot of what's been put back in the restoration and keys and angles and the strategy, it's going to be really curious to see, uh, I'm really curious to see how that all starts to play and evolve, you know, over the next not only one year, but several years. Kent, when you finish something like this, do you envision yourself ever doing another one, or is this it for somebody in a position like yours? Boy, I kind of thought about that. Well, we've got one more course to go there. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm torn whether I want to do it now or, or sort of let some time go by where you forget the pain. Um, yeah, actually, the other course, uh, the Kenview course, is probably in more need of uh, restoration or renovation uh, than what the Kendale course was. Uh, it, it's in dire need of irrigation and dire need of drainage uh, like Kendale was. While they've done work in the past on five or six holes that are pretty new and have decent drainage and modern or irrigation, uh, the other holes are in desperate need of help. So hopefully soon, you know, hopefully the economy isn't crushed too bad and, and golf continues on. But, no, I don't think this is my last project. You have that itch, don't you? No, I'm not actually a fan of it. <laughs> But I understand that it's something that needs to be done. A growing guide, I'm not. I don't, back in the 90s, when there was the boom in golf, there were guys that, you know, that was sort of like their title, like he's a growing guy. Um, I would not consider myself one of those. I don't have the patience for it. But as far as fixing something that's broke, yeah, I, you know, 
point. It just absolutely it needs to be done. Ken, as Jason mentioned, there are a lot of plans out there for a lot of golf course uh, renovations here in the next year or two. What would you tell a superintendent who came up to you and said, Kent, you've been through a few of these. Now that you've gone through another one, what guidance would you give a, a superintendent getting ready to go into a big project of his or her own? Uh, get your vacation and, and <laughs> family time out of the way before the project starts. Uh, take a bunch of time off, which is tough because there's a lot of planning that goes on prior to when the construction team starts. But take that time before because, you know, you're in for a year long of uh, just doing nothing but dedicating to work. It's a hard, you know, guy, that's one thing, you know, especially for spouses, right? I mean, that's a... Uh... You know, I mean, anybody in the golf industry, everybody works such long and hard hours no matter what, whether you're, a, a, you know, a golf professional, you know, at a club, a golf course superintendent, you know, a contractor. Everybody puts in such long and hard hours. Um, but, you know, that's one thing that, you know, my family, you know, they're somewhat used to me traveling all of the time, and, you know, we've managed that for decades, but for superintendents, you know, yes, they work long hours, but, you know, their workload is, you know, if it's doubled or not, you know, Ken can speak to that, but, I mean, it's in some cases, yeah, I mean, they're probably, their work hours double, and, you know, the stress that that can cause on a home relationship is real. You know, there was a time where I got you know, I was in the habit of sending flowers to golf course uh, spouses, you know, just saying, you know, take some time, you know, understand, have some patience because, um, you know, the, the stress and the anxiety and the work hours are, go are definitely going to be real. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure, you know, I mean, heck, we're, we're dealing with a, you know, almost a $5 million project here. You know, that's a lot of money we're responsible for, you know, no question. And especially as guys, the pandemic hit, and no, you know, nobody knew. You know, I mean, there was a tightening of the belt even at Kenwood. Uh, you know, not only for Kent's staff, but you know, there was pressure to make sure that this golf course project came in on budget. I mean, it had to be on budget, counting to the pennies. One thing to to deal with it at the course, but you know, you're carrying that with you going home. So that'd be the one thing that I would tell you know golf course superintendents is you know they're getting ready. Um, you know, to mentally prepare, um, you know, for these types of projects. Last thing here, Jason, you first, what will 2021 be like for Fry Straka? I wish I had that crystal ball. Right now, you know, we're, it went from forecasting, you know, how, how long before the revenue ran out, uh, you know, and how long was the company going to be healthy and okay, uh, you know, to thankfully managing projects, not taking too much work on. Uh, I think that the biggest question for us, you know, two things. One is that if the golf economy stays healthy, you know, then domestic work will continue and we'll still be, you know, in a really good position. I think from a diversity standpoint, uh, guys, you know, I mean, you know, we've got global golf design in our, you know, that's part of our moniker. And so it's because we do like to take projects and, and do them overseas We've got projects in Mexico, Vietnam, Brazil that we would like to, you know, get under construction or slated to get started for construction. And that becomes a big question. You know, it's, we may, you know, who knows, we may, with um, 
2019 get the pandemic more under control here, but worldwide, uh, you know, there there is a big question: Can we safely get to places? You know, in Brazil, you know, will their economy be open? We just don't know yet. So, you know, right now we're doing our best um, to sort of plan, you know, our, our work out, not be too busy, remain optimistic about our overseas work. But just like everybody else, you know, part, part of it is day by day. And how about you, Kent? Have you had a chance to project into what next year could be like for, for you and your team? No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> this, this year was so different, and, and it, I, I don't know how you could plan anything in 2020. So I'm hoping that there will be some normalcy. You know, I'm hoping that we start to spring off ahead of schedule, which we haven't been so sort of behind uh, probably for the last three years, you know, where you're trying to get stump holes to grow in so that you can get pre-emergent out. And, and, you know, I've just sort of felt pressured and behind agronomically every year for probably the past three years. So I'm hoping this year that there's we're sort of relaxed in that and, and it's just somewhat normal. Well, thanks for taking the time to do this to both of you. I really enjoy speaking with you two every time and interesting to revisit this story one year later. So uh, thanks a lot and hope everybody has a nice winter here.